Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for being here this morning. God bless you. Y'all sound amazing. Man, that worship was so good. So good. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in that. All right, if we can go ahead and make our way back. I know you love each other, but we have to get on with this thing today. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Just have a couple announcements before I get into the message this morning. Uh, I, want, I want to give you the opportunity to download an app. It's called the Church Center app. And on this app, you can, do, you can find out a lot about the church. There, you can give online there. You can also sign up for a small group. Uh, you can look at the calendar, see what's going on on there. So if you go to iTunes or your, what do Droid people use? I don't know. You know I'm not hating on you. But wherever you, wherever you get your apps, uh, download the Church Center app. We might have a picture the Church Center app. Do you have a picture of that up there maybe? Maybe not. Um, but you can download that and then just make sure you pick Waterhouse Church as your home church. I mean, if you want to give to another church, that's great. But, you know, you can pick this church as, as your church. And then also on that app, you can uh, also sign up for events, sign up for baptism, sign up for classes. Um, so that's a great opportunity for you to get to know things um, at Waterhouse Church as well. A lot of people don't know about the app, so I'm telling you now. Download the app today at all your fine app places. All right, that's your, that's your advertisement for today. Also, I want to say thank you for those who have signed up to help with the kids' church area for nursery and pre-K. Thank you so much. We still need some more help. We got a couple more that signed up, and so we still need a few more to help, to help in that area. That way, you don't have to be in there every week, right? We want you to have a break, too, and, and to be a part of the service as well. So if we can all do our part and help out in those areas. Uh, we're going to teach you what to do. We're going to give you curriculum. We're going to help you in that area. We're not just going to send you in to say, good luck, right? Don't let the kids kill you. Um, so uh, we're going we're gonna to train you. Um, and so thank you for that as well. And I just also want to let you know, there are a lot of ways to give at, at Waterhouse Church, and we don't talk about it a lot, but the easiest way is online. You can uh, just scan that QR code in front of you on the chair. You can give there. And then in the back, there's a couple boxes if you feel led to drop something in there as well. I uh, just want to say thank you for your giving. Because you give, we can have AC. God bless and love AC. We all love AC. And we're running on two ACs, and it's keeping up. Praise God. The other two are going to get fixed this week. And the greatest thing is that we don't have to borrow money to fix ACs because we have it, because you give. So thank you. Um, uh, you know, it's just things like that you take for granted, right? Until they're broke, and then you don't take it for granted. Um, and so I just want to say thank you for being here. We are starting our Summer of Freedom today, right? Yeah. And if, if you're, if you're next to some, some people are excited to be free, right? Freedom 
God has made his people free through Jesus Christ, right? And so we're going to learn how to walk in that freedom through the rest of this summer. And if you're sitting here today and you notice that somebody is not here that normally sits next to you, text them and say, it's still time to be free. You can still have time to be here to get free, all right? If you're watching online today, it's still time to be free. Make sure you catch the 11 o'clock. It's going to be good. This is the foundational Day. This is the day we set the foundation for all that we're going to do for the rest of the summer. If this is not right, then the rest of it doesn't matter. If what we do today does not sink into your heart and change your life forever, then nothing else you do during this series is going to stand, right? We have to have a firm foundation, and that firm foundation is Jesus, obviously, but we're going to learn about that as well. So if you stand with me, we're going to read the word together. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 is our scripture reading today. And I'm going to read it. You just follow along. Jesus says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them would be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had not, because because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and the beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I know that wasn't up there, but you'd have to believe me that's part of it, all right? (laughs) Father, I thank you for today, God. I thank you for this message. God, let us build our house on the rock. God, let us build our lives on you today, God. There's people in here today, Lord, their lives are not built on you. It's built on the things and God, the storms of life are raging against them and their house is shaking. Their house is shattering and God, things are being blown about and it's because it is not built on you. Today, God, I pray that we would tear down that house and rebuild it on good solid ground, God, that you'd remove all the obstacles, all the things that keep us from coming to you, all the things, God, that we've built in place of your kingdom in our lives. God, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. You may have a seat. When me and my wife were house shopping, we went and saw lots of houses. And some of you are realtors in here, so you know how it is, right? You're nervous. Maybe some of you are looking for a house. You want to find just the right house. And we found one that was really inexpensive, it seemed like it could fit our budget. And I remember going to this house. It was a nice little area. And we start looking around. And I'm like, this is kind of nice. It's a little outdated, but we can fix it up. But then I noticed something. I noticed this big crack in the wall. And I'm like, that's not supposed to be there. And the realtor says, yeah, there's some foundational issues here. And the more we walked around the house, we noticed how that foundational issue affected the whole house. Some of the door jams were sideways, right? Some of the closets wouldn't close all the way. Some of the doors wouldn't shut all the way. Some of the windows were cracked. It had really bad foundational issues. The house was built. It was a brick house, very strong house, but it was built on a foundation that was sagging, a foundation that wasn't firm, a foundation that was shifting, And in our lives, we often find ourselves like this. We think we're standing on firm ground. We think we're standing on solid, something solid. We're building our life and we think it's good. And then all of a sudden we noticed there's something in our house. There's something in our house that's wreaking havoc in our house. There's something in our house that just doesn't, that doesn't need to be there. And we can't find a way to get rid of it. 
there's something in our house that's destroying it from the inside out. Then how did that thing get in our house? How did that, I didn't let it in. How did it get in our house? Well, your foundation was not solid and your house started leaning and the doors wouldn't shut all the way. You thought you locked it, but the door swung wide open and the enemy had his way. You didn't even have to invite him in. He's like, oh, the door's open. I'm just going to come in, make myself at home. I'm going to sit. I'm going to eat your food. I'm going to sit in your love seat. Right? I'm going I'm to watch your television. I'm going to make myself at home. This is my house now. And many of us, we don't even realize it before the enemy comes in and he makes himself at home in our lives and he starts wreaking havoc in our families and our kids and our relationships and our marriage and our finances. He's going through our bills. He's going through all the things in our house. And we don't realize how he got there. And I'm telling you, it's because the foundation was not built on solid ground. And it doesn't matter how beautiful your house is. It doesn't matter what material you use to buy your house. If it's not built on a firm foundation, it will fall. It will collapse. Because let me tell you, there's going to be times when the storms come, when the wind blows, when the floods take out your house. And what's going to stand? How's it going to stand? What's going to keep it from floating away, from crashing down, and from collapsing on itself? I went to Israel. I got the, I got the opportunity and the privilege to go to Israel this year. And while we were there, we went to all these beautiful Roman cities. They were, they were built with columns and beauty and mosaic floors. I mean, these people... That they didn't have the machinery we have today, but when they built stuff, it was beautiful. Uh, it was immaculate and amazing. And they were rebuilding this city called Bet Sheen. And Bet Sheen, I think I have a picture of it. If you can throw that picture up, this is just a picture that I took of it. It was this Roman cap, this Roman place, this Roman city. And in it, there was all kinds of beautiful things. There was a theater. Uh, there was a grand entryway. Like you would walk through this beautiful uh, entryway. There were shops and villages and people everywhere, artisans. Uh, and, and in this city, it was like the crowning jewel of this little region. And, and the city was built, and they thought it would stand forever. But something happened in that city that made it collapse. There was a really bad earthquake that happened. And in that city, everything fell upon itself. Nothing was standing. It ruined the city. Everybody left the city. Everybody, nobody had nothing to do with it. It killed lots and lots of people in that city. And now they're digging up things in that city today. And they're finding these relics. They're finding these things that are amazing. And this city was built to last. The city was a, was a place that, that uh, could live under siege for many, many months. This city was built there to not fall down but it was on shaky ground. That whole region in Israel is on a fault line. And, and, and it shakes all the time. Things move all the time there. Things fall down all the time there. And so when Jesus says these words, you build your house on, on shaky ground, they knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew that they had to find some good, solid ground that wouldn't shake, that was not subject to earthquakes, that was not subject to floods and rains and storms. They needed a good foundation in which to build their lives. And many of you do not have that foundation. You think you do. But if your house is shaking and the walls are collapsing, I guarantee you your foundation is not secure. And many of us, we build the foundations of life on, on things that are not of God, and we think these things are going to keep us safe. We think these things are things that we, we can anchor our house to, our lives to, and it's going to carry us through the rest of our lives and even into eternity. 
But I'm telling you, those things are not the things that are going to place you where God wants you to be. Those are not solid ground. I think the first thing and the, and the biggest thing that many of us build our life on, and we think that it's good and it's, think it's going to carry us, it's, we think it's, it's the way to go, especially in our American culture, is our possessions, the things we can attain here on this earth. And I want to tell you today that the number one issue in our lives most of the time is our possessions. Jesus, more than anything that he taught, he talked about money and possessions. He, he, he talked about how those things have the tendency to control us. And I would even say this, that our possessions are the biggest possessors of us. We think we're free. We think we're walking in freedom. But then guess what? The bills come in the mail. <laughs> right? The, we can't pay the bills. And so we got to work harder. We got to work jobs we hate. We got to do all these things because we're tied to those things. We think those things are going to bring some happiness, some freedom, some meaning, some purpose in our life. But I'm telling you, our money is not a safe thing to put our lives into. As you can see, as of late, our money is losing its value quicker than, like, quicker than anything. And we think that we're good and we put money back in the, for the future for a retirement. I'm not doing doom and gloom here. I'm just saying reality. That we think we have enough and we think we've stored enough and we think that we're going to be secure and safe. And then the market crashes, the economy goes, the banks close. And then what do you do? If you put all of, your, all of your hope and all of who you are in money and possessions and things of this world, it will let you down every single time. The saddest story I heard in Israel was when we were in the city of Bethshean. The, the guy that was doing the tour, he said, right here at this pillar, when they dug it up, they found a skeleton sitting there. It was hunkered down, probably during the earthquake, and it was grasping this big jar of money. It was just, it was dead. I mean, everything collapsed, but he was grasping this big jar of money, hoping that that money would save him. And I think many of us are looking at our lives going, man, if I just get a little bit more, then I know I'll be secure. If I can just secure this job or I can just secure this thing, then my life will make sense and everything's going to fall in line. My marriage is going to automatically become better. My kids are going to automatically become more well-behaved. Right? My life is going to make more sense. If I can just buy that, if I can just get that, if I can just attain this, then my life will be good. But I'm telling you, friends, money and the love of money and the love of possessions is the number one thing that pulls us away from God. I mean, think about this. When Jesus was being tested in the desert, what did, the, what did Satan do? He basically told him, if you bow to me, Jesus, I will give you money, I will give you possessions, I will give you the nations, I will give you power, and I will give you possessions. That's what he's basically telling him. And that's the lie that the enemy tells us. If you bow down to this, then you will get this. But I'm telling you, when you bow down to possessions and money and things, you become a slave to that thing. It promises freedom, but it brings slavery. And many of us live in slavery because we're tied to these things of this world. And it goes past just our money. And don't, don't say, oh, this preacher's always talking about money. But I'm saying it goes past our money. It goes, it goes into our house. It goes into what we put our hope in in this world. That thing will, will, is not a solid foundation in which to build our lives. At the end, those things will betray you. Money, things only bring security 
for the day that you have them. I know every Friday when my wife gets paid, I feel secure. Monday rolls around, we pay the bills, I don't feel secure. <laughs> right? It's like Monday we're eating good, you know, Friday, you know, Friday we're eating good, Monday we're eating uh, taco casa or something, right? Cheap. <laughs> Tell you, taco casa is awesome. I'm not hating taco casa. But money isn't a place to put your hope in. Money isn't a firm foundation. There's a funny joke. There was this rich man, and he, when he died, he said, I want to be buried with all of my money. And he told his wife, when I die, put all of my money in the casket with me. And they come to the wedding funeral, and, and he, they bury the man, and everybody's staring at the wife going, did you put all the money in his casket? And she said, yes, sir, I sure did. And he's like, wow, how did you do that? He's like, well, it's easy. I wrote a check. I put it in his coffin. If he can cash it, he can have it. You can't take it with you, folks. If you can cash it, you can have it. Your money's no good in heaven. I just want to tell you that. Look, God gives us the ability. I'm just being real. This is in my notes. God gives us the ability to make money. He gives us the ability to, to have things, but it's not for us, right? He gives us those things so we can share them with other people. If, if you're in plenty right now, it's not for you to keep. If you're in plenty right now, it's for you to give and for you to share and for you to help other people. That's, that's the Christian faith, right? What we have is not our own. What we have is the Lord's. And we simply say, Lord, this is what you've given to me. How do you want me to use it? Where can I spread your influence? Because whether you realize it or not, the money that we have in our pocket is influence for the kingdom of God. The money that we have, I went to a place, and he talked about this. He said, the money we have, each dollar is like a soldier we're sending out into the kingdom. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it, this world moves in money. I'm just, I'm just saying that's how it is. And do you see your money? Do you see your possessions? Do you think, see the things that you have as a tool to be used for the kingdom or something to be kept for yourself, right? And so we have to see our money, our possessions, all the things that God allows us to have in this light. And if your foundation is built on that thing, then when that thing is gone, your house is going to collapse. You have to build your foundation on something else. And I think the second thing that we, most people build the foundation of their life on is, is human reasoning. I think Dan Moeller once said, this, he goes, intelligence is a gift, but being analytical is a curse. Because you can analyze yourself out of believing God. If you analyze yourself out of believing God, then guess what? That's a curse. God never made us to be so analytical that we analyze our way out of, out of trusting God. Human intelligence is a gift from God, but being analytical is not. And many people are captive to their own thought life. Your own thought life betrays you. You think, I can, I can trust my intelligence. I can trust my reasoning. Like, I can read scripture and go, well, that doesn't make sense to me. There's no way God's real. There's no way this is real. I, I can't grasp it because it, it doesn't fit into my mental framework. And it keeps people from coming to faith. It keeps people from believing in God. And they, they anchor their lives on this. Just go online and look at, look at all the atheists. Look at the people shouting against God. They're standing on ground that is shaky. They're standing on ground they think is solid, but in the end, there will be a storm. In the end, it will betray them. 
Many people are captive to their own thoughts and reasonings. Even many thinkers of the world, like all throughout history, have gone mad trying to figure this world out and the little brains that God has given to us. Philosophers for thousands of years have found, have tried to find meaning and purpose in life, and everyone has come up empty and short and more lost than they were when they began. I'm telling you, if, you, if you're building your life on your own reasoning, beware, the ground is shaky. It's not stable. I don't care how many books you write. I don't care how many YouTube videos you produce. I don't care how many TED Talks you do. It, it's not going to stand the day of the storm. It's not going to stand when everything is taken out from you. The saddest time I ever had was when I worked for a resale shop and these people asked us to go empty this house out. This young man had fallen ill and disease-ridden body and he was taken away to a hospital to be cared for while he's about to pass. And, and me and my partner, we show up in this house and as soon as we opened the door, I just felt the spiritual darkness. I, I just, I was like, man, this just feel right in here. And, and we started walking in and it was a mess and we started picking stuff up, and, and we found things that I can't talk about in here. We found things that were not good. You know, we found things that, that you wanted to pick up with lots and lots of gloves on. And, and as we picked up this house and as we started cleaning things and trying to salvage what was good so we could resell it, I, I saw on the table this note that said, my name is, he says his name, and he goes, my IQ is 220. And next to that was a book he had written about why God does not exist. And all through the house was filth and garbage. His body was riddled with disease. And yet in his mind, he convinced himself that God was not real. And because his IQ was 220, that's who he was. And you should listen to me. You should, you should base your life on what I say. He built his life on the foundation of his intelligence quotient. And he reasoned himself out of God. He, 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 in his mind, he said, there is no God, so I can live any way I want. And in the end, if God didn't change his heart or if he didn't give his life to Christ in the last moment, the pain and the suffering he was dealing with here on this earth pales to compare. And I don't stand here angry. I stand here broken for that young man. Because if he only knew the God I knew, he could not stay angry at him. If he only knew the God I knew, he would turn his life around. Even in his pain, even in his disease-ridden body, he could still find purpose and hope in the Jesus that I know. Frederick Nietzsche was one of the greatest thinkers that we label greatest thinkers of our time. He coined the phrase, God is dead. He says, God is dead, God remains dead, and we have killed him. Frederick Nietzsche wrote lots of books on philosophy and, and, and how, to, how to live in a world of morality without God. Nietzsche, in the end, went crazy. Nietzsche, in the end, battled dementia. His mind betrayed him. The thing that he built his life on, his intelligence and his reasoning, betrayed him in the end. And he died with dementia and mental, his mental facilities were gone. He even spoke at the end of his days how he was tormented at night. He would see visions. He would, he would be tormented by things. And I believe there were demons. I believe that he was tortured and he was succumbed to those things because Nietzsche grew up 
knowing God. He went to a theological society, Bible school, and he excelled in, Bible, in biblical theology. Nietzsche put his whole life on his intelligence. And the very thing he built his life on betrayed him in the end. So I want to tell you, if you're building your life on your own reasoning, it will not save you. It will not save you when the rain comes, when the storms come, when the wind blows and the floods pour over your life. It will not save you. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength in your bones. Lean not in your own understanding in all your ways. Trust in him. And I think we sit here and we're trying to rack our brains around, how do I trust you, Lord? How do I trust you in this, Lord? How do I trust in you? Well, the answer is very, at the very beginning of this question, do not lean on your own understanding. You have to get rid of your own understanding in order to trust him. When this gets out of the way, then you can truly trust him for who he is and what he said. Stop trying to analyze your way out of trusting God. It's not a gift. That's something from the curse, and we need to get rid of it. Those things hold us and bind us and chain us up. So many people I talk to, I ask them, why don't you believe in Jesus? And they give me all their analytical reasons why. They give me all the, all the other things why. They can't believe in Jesus, and all of them are paper, they're, they're paper walls. They're things that can easily be toppled. They're straw men. They're things that cannot stand. There's things that, that in the reasoning it seems right, but in reality, it's not so. And that leads me to the third thing that, that often keeps people tied up and bound up and chained up because they build their foundation on another foundation that seems like it's a good one. If you're going to build your life on something, it's got to be this, right? It's got to be religion. I build my life on religion. And I'm telling you, religion can be summed up in this. And this is all religions, right? It's man trying to reach out to a divine being. And it's a system created by man in which we get from an outside power what we need for this life. That's what religion is. It's us somehow trying to appease a divine being so we can get what we need for here and now. If I just be good enough, then maybe this divine being or maybe this divine council or whoever's out there, all these pantheon of deities will give me what I need. If I, if I just do right, if I just sacrifice enough, if I just give enough, if, if, if I just do all these things, all these tenets, then God will give me what I need. And maybe, maybe God, if there is a God, he'll, he'll save me at the day that I die. He's going to take me somewhere other than the ground. That's religion. Religion says I have to do to get. Religion says I have to be something to be approved. Religion says that it's all up to me. But Jesus is a whole completely different way. And the issue, especially in the Christian world, is this. We have this thing called uh, deconstruction happening right now in our society. And, and all these people are deconstructing their faith, and they're walking out on their faith. They're walking out on Jesus. And, and the problem is with deconstruction, I, I think deconstruction is a good thing, to be honest. Because we need to question why we believe the things we believe. We need to go back and say, why do I do the things I do? Are the things that I'm doing religion or is it, or is it my relationship with Jesus? Are the things I'm doing man-made, uh, man-made things that I do or are they really what God wants? 
And I think it's good to reevaluate and, and to understand where we're coming from because a lot of us have been taught things that aren't right, and a lot of us do things that aren't really what God would want. And I think in his, in his uh, goodness, he's like, man, at least you tried. I mean, you're close, but at least you tried. And, and, and there's things that, man, I think I'm solid on. I may get to heaven. He's like, Neil, you gave it your best go. <laughs> so we always have to be evaluating what we know and what we think and, and, and the religious forms we build, right? We have, we have to always be evaluating that. And religion is not solid ground. Religion is something that we cannot build our house on. Look, look I'm not saying religion doesn't have a place. Religion has a place. But Jesus came to put religion in its place. I mean, think about every time when Jesus walked into a city, what did he, who was he harsh to? The religious leaders. He's like, guys, this is good. Like God gave us this operating system, right? But you're using it wrong. You're abusing it. You're using it thinking that you're going to get something from God when you're not doing the basic things that he says. Jesus, at the very beginning, we read this passage. Blessed are those that do the things that I say, that hear and do the things I say. And that's, that's his whole message to the Pharisees. Guys, you're teaching it, but you're not doing it. You're not putting these things into practice. You're not understanding really what God wants from you. And, and they're building this form of religion, and it's sending people to hell. Jesus even gets on to the Pharisees, and he says, man, you'll travel miles and miles to get a convert. And once you catch him and once you grab him, you make him twice the son of hell as he was before. And that's what religion does to us. It teaches us who we can hate. It teaches us how, we, how we're supposed to act in front of people. It teaches us to put on our mask and to cover it up. God very strongly to the people of Israel tells them that they're building walls that are flimsy. They're, they're, they're building something on a foundation that is not stable. And Ezekiel, I love Ezekiel. If you ever read Ezekiel, you'll get about half of them. You're like, what is this in here? He's like the shock prophet. Marilyn Manson ain't got nothing on Ezekiel. All right? Just read it. Ezekiel 13, 10. Ezekiel is a prophet at the time, and God is raising up the Babylonians to come in and take out Israel. And all the prophets and all, and all the priests are like, no, we're safe. God, we're just chosen people. There's no destruction coming. There's nothing that's going to happen to us bad. God loves us. We're doing all our religious activity. We're doing all these religious things. There's no way God's going to come and take us out. And Ezekiel stands up. And that time, God calls Ezekiel, and he says this. This will happen because of these evil prophets who deceive my people, they're saying all this, all is peaceful when there's no peace at all. As if the people have built a flimsy wall and these prophets are trying to reinforce it by covering it with whitewash. And this is what religion is. It's like we're trying to reinforce it with good deeds. We're trying to reinforce it with how we act. We're trying to reinforce it by coming to church. We're trying to reinforce it by giving in the offering. We're trying to reinforce it by, God, am I good? Am I doing well? I'm going to serve here. God, I know that, that if I just give this money, then you're going to give it back. God, if I know if I just do this, then you're going to reward me. I think it was Tim Keller who wrote this. He said, until you follow God expecting no personal benefit, you're not really following God. These are strong words, and Ezekiel is using strong words. He said, you're building this flimsy wall, and the prophets are trying to reinforce it with whitewash or plaster. 
And he goes, tell these whitewashers that their wall will soon fall down. Notice the wording here. It's a lot like Jesus' words. A heavy rainstorm will undermine it. That means come up under it. A great hailstones and mighty winds will knock it down. And when the wall falls, the people will cry out, what happened to your whitewash? What happened to this religious system that you put in place? I thought God said we were good. And he goes, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will sweep away your whitewashed wall with a storm of indignation, with a great flood of anger and with hailstones of fury. I will break down your wall right down to its foundation. And when it falls, it will crush you. And then you will know that I am the Lord. At last, my anger against the wall and those who covered it with whitewash will be satisfied. And then I will say to you, the wall and those who whitewashed it are both gone. They are lying prophets who claim peace would come to Jerusalem when there was no peace. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. There's a lot of prophets out there. There's a lot of people out there saying that God's okay with things, that, 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 that there's, God's not angry. God's not going to do anything about this. There's peace. There's peace. There's peace. Beware. There is a storm coming. There is judgment coming. God is keeping his peace. He's waiting for the day of, of, of judgment. He's waiting for the day of redemption. And now is the time to throw your religion out the window and come to Jesus Christ. It's a foundation that's on shaky ground. It's a paper wall. And you can whitewash it. You can, you can make it look as beautiful as you want. But in the end, it just takes a little bit of wind to blow it down. Because in the day of trouble, it's not going to hold you up. It's not going to give you peace. When things happen in your life you don't understand, you go through suffering, it's not going to bring you any, it's not going to bring you any peace. You're not going to have any understanding. Only when you build your life firmly on Jesus Christ does religion have any benefit at all. What are you building your house on? Maybe you're in here and you're deconstructing your faith now. The problem with deconstruction is this. We start removing the walls and tearing out things in our house, right? We're trying to figure out why we believe the way we believe, and we find that one weight-bearing wall, right? And we tear it down. The house crumbles on top of you. You get hurt, and you walk away from the faith. And you never go through the pain to, to, the, to, to wipe away all that stuff and look and see what the foundation was. The foundation is Jesus, and I pray that when you get to that point, for those that are deconstructing their faith, that when you get to that point, when you get down to the foundation, there is Jesus. Then you can start rebuilding it the way that he wants you to build it. You can get rid of the man-made religion. You can get rid of all the things you've been taught that were wrong, and you start looking at Jesus and start building your life on him. Those weight-bearing walls are morality, human reasoning, the way we worship, the way we go to church, the way we do things. And, and, and the problem is, is when people run into other Christians that are supposed to be believers and they treat them quite the opposite, it knocks that wall down. It knocks that weight-bearing wall down because your faith was built on people and not on God. And you're hurt and say, well, those Christians are that way. There's no way I want to be a Christian. And, and to you, I want to say, why don't you show us all how to do it? Because we need people like that. We need examples. We need people in the true faith to show us all how to live for Christ and to break down the religion that holds us captive. Jesus is the only foundation. He's the only way to build. He's the only place that has firm ground. 
Matthew 16, Jesus is walking with his disciples. And he, and he comes to this place, this is Caesarea Philippi. And he's, and he's looking at this place, this is very Caesarea Philippi. I went there in Israel and we went to this place. And there was this fountain there. And in that fountain, people would come and they would, they would worship the god Pan. And in this place, this is Caesarea Philippi, they would walk up to this place and they would kill something. It could be a child. It could be an animal. They would sacrifice it to that god and throw it in the pit. And that pit had running water through it. And if the other side of that pit, the water was clean, they knew that that God had accepted their sacrifice. And if the water came out with blood in it, they knew that that God did not, that, that, that God did not accept their sacrifice. And they put all their hope in these other gods. And this, and this grand place of Caesarea Philippi was built for this Caesar. And he looks to his disciples and he says this. Who do people say that I am? Who do you think, who do they say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah or maybe one of the other prophets, maybe Jeremiah. And then he asks them, but who do you say I am? And Peter answered this. You are the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. Not human reasoning. No, you didn't come to it in your own thoughts. Only the father revealed this to you. And he said, you did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And he's saying, now that you understand who I am, now that you get who I am, like the world is looking for an answer. The world is coming to these other gods. They're sacrificing, hoping that it's going to bring purpose and hope and life. And they think that these things are going to save them. Maybe Caesar can save them. Maybe the Rome can save them. Maybe Rome can give them what they need. Maybe possessions and honor and power. Those things will give me what I need to build my life upon. Maybe religion can give me what I need. I go to the temple every week. I go, to the, I go to Jerusalem and I worship God there, but yet I still feel empty and I still feel not any more hope-filled than when I began. I don't understand why things happen the way they do. He says, Peter, you understand who I am, that I am the son of the living God, that I am the rock in which you can build your life on. And he says, Peter, because of that, your name is Little Rock. You're Little Rock. And this word that you say, this gospel message that I've come to save and set men free is now the foundation for everything that you guys are going to build on. He goes, upon this rock I will build my church. That's us. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. Nothing will stand against it. Nietzsche said, God is dead. We've killed him. He's gone. Christianity is going to die. Yet we're still here. The gates of hell will not prevail. He says, I'm going to give you to you, Peter. I'm going to give to you, the church, the keys of heaven, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you forbid, whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. He's saying, I'm giving you authority. Church, we don't walk in our authority. He is that which we build our lives on. I heard it. It might have been at a church my mom took me to. 
kid, but songs have the power to kind of stick in your mind, right? And then as I started looking up the lyrics to the song, I'm like, I've heard this song before. Hill song, break this, break this song off. That's not how it goes. They added a chorus to it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the lines in it, and then Christian's going to sing it. I want you to reflect on it. Then I'm going to ask the altar team to come up. And if you need to trust Jesus Christ today with all of your life, maybe when I was speaking, you have built your life on all these other things. Today, come and ask. Come and pray. Come and seek. Prince of Peace and the King of Freedom. He is the one that has unbound the chains of the enemy. He is the one that has given us authority over him. We have the power to walk in freedom because of Jesus Christ. Amen. The song goes this way. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. You older folks know the real song, not the hill song. song. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but holy lean on Jesus' name. On cross, Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest in his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. The storms of life, the rain that comes, the flood that comes, Jesus Christ is the foundation. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the overwhelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and my stay. He shall come with trumpet blast. Oh, may I then in him be found. In him my righteousness alone fault to stand before the throne. In Christ, the solid rock I stand all other. He's going to see.